welcome to another edition of the Forks Down Podcast. Your one-stop shop for anything and everything surrounding the Seattle Mariners baseball team. My name is Rick Clark, and with me, as always, the president of the Phil Cuzzy Fan Club, Mr. Bo Chisholm. Bo, how are you doing tonight? Get out of here with your Phil Cuzzy nonsense. I am uh, I'm doing rather well. Um, doing rather well on this beautiful uh, Pacific Northwest day. How are you doing today? Oh, not too bad. Busy day at work. Uh, I had to hustle home so we can get started on the podcast. And, you know, after a couple days of uh, not so much great baseball being played in New York, uh, finally the Mariners look like they're kind of coming around, leading the game at the end of the second inning, 6 nothing. So um, hopefully we got something positive to talk about um, towards the end of the podcast and potentially next week. Because the last two games have not been great. So, before we get into everything, thank you again for taking time to listen to another edition of the Forks Down podcast. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. Um, you know we're on our way to three thousand listens, and you know every every single time you play the podcast for us, uh, we're most appreciative, most grateful. So thank you. And if you're a first time listener, hey, thanks for choosing Forks Down. As hopefully you're. Uh, New home for Mariners podcast or more Mariners baseball talk. Sorry. Um, you know, Bo and I have been having fun. This is episode, I think number 47. So, I mean, we're, we're having fun with it and we hope you guys are enjoying it as well. Um, if you haven't already go hit up our social media pages, you can find us on Facebook, find us on Instagram, just search for sound podcast. You'll find us. Um, you'll find our cool logo, uh, you'll find some stuff detailing our podcast, so you can find us there. Our inboxes are always open. You want to send us messages, um, you know, questions you want us to ask on air between each other, you know, go ahead. Those are always open. And you can hit like and subscribe on your podcast listening app, and you can get notified about new episodes dropping. Um, you can help us out by giving us five stars. It'll move us up the charts a little bit, uh, help us be more visible. But other than that, just you listening to us, we're most appreciative for and you know, it, it helps us out a lot. So with that being said, Bo, uh, let's dive into a quick Mariners notes before tagging the uh, Yankees series. Uh, only note we got this uh, this far this week is J.P. Crawford injured his sh- shoulder in Tuesday's game. Um, he's going to have to get an MRI. He's listed day to day, but um, did you watch the play he got injured on? Uh, I didn't watch it exactly. Um, couldn't quite tell what was going on. I don't know if you saw a better view of it, what I have, but uh, yeah, going to be going to get an MRI shoulder um, and, you know, Jose Caballero kind of filling in, um, filling in in his stead. So did you have a better view of it? Kind of better thought of what you saw there? Yeah, it was a very weird play. It doesn't look like anything that would, should have hurt him. Um, he missed the ball that, uh, Harrison Bader was stealing Cal threw it. He missed the ball. And as he was running to get the ball, because it didn't bounce too far from him, Harrison Bader came off the bag and they kind of collided a little bit. And again, it just looked like a harmless, um, you know, bump of the shoulders, but, uh, obviously right. it was a little bit worse than that. And JP, um, ended up, I think he played the rest of the inning and, um, I think he made it through his next at bat, but then he was like, yeah, take me out. And, uh, Dylan Moore came in and, and substituted. So again, I didn't look bad, but you never know with, you know, professional athletes and them playing 
especially in baseball, playing 162 games, little little wear and tear, little things can turn into big things, you know, when you least expect it. Yeah, and, uh, you know, JP's been pretty solid for us this year. So, um, you know, anytime that he's out, not super helpful with the team. But, uh, yeah, MRI, I think likely if he had, I think he might have already had it. I can't remember. But I think Jerry said today that he's just kind of day to day right now and not really sure if he'll need a DL, an IL stint that is. So, um, hopefully we can kind of get him back, you know, sometime maybe over the weekend if that's possible. But, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. You know, we definitely probably are going to need him back. I know uh, the game after he got hurt, um, Caballero let off the game, and he went one for four, didn't look too bad. And in today's game, Thursday's game, um, Kelnick is batting leadoff, and he's had, so far, two really bad strikeouts. So I've been liking what I've been seeing from Crawford. He's getting a lot of the ball when his at-bats um, – you know, walk in a, a little bit and, um, you know, he seems to be finding the ball a little bit better. So um, I just want our leadoff hitter back, I guess, <laughs> you know, and hopefully, again, it's not serious. So, well, but let's let's uh, move into the atrocity that is so far the Mariners at Yankees series. Um, I don't know. Would you classify Tuesday's game as a pitching duel? Because I think I would. Um, I, yeah, I guess I could, I classify it as a pitching duel. Um, you know, Garrett Cole's just been, um, one of the best pitchers in baseball over the last couple of years. And, um, it was, uh, yeah, we kind of got some of the best of him in this game. And then, yeah, George Kirby, um, you know, put together, I would say, uh, you know, I think seven innings of pretty good ball for the most part. Um, I guess I would say that like, I didn't think that George maybe had some of his best stuff in this game. He got hit really hard in this game. Like uh, some of the balls that the Yankees put in play, I think we were really lucky that um, they ended up either in fly outs or, you know, just hard ground outs. So um, I think he did get a little lucky in that sense, but uh, yeah, still came around with four um, K's in the game. Um, and, you know, we've always said that, three runs shouldn't be an automatic loss, but um, kind of with the Mariners, it seems like it is, especially going up against Garrett Cole, but yeah, definitely a pitching duel. Um, you know, George is still continuing to pitch solid pitches well enough to win. Um, and we just kind of had the, the best of Garrett Cole, I would say on this day. Yeah. Yeah. He, he looked, uh, he looked every bit the, the number one starting pitcher for the New York Yankees, the ace. Um, I don't know if you saw Caballero was kind of getting in his head a little bit with his antics and uh, for his trouble after striking out Caballero kind of got the Dikembe Matumbo finger wag afterwards as he was walking off. Um, I don't know. I, I know Scott declined to comment on it, so <laughs> I don't think he liked it, but what do you do? I mean, Cole was putting on a clinic in Tuesday's game, so I think he had every right to, uh, to do that. And even Caballero came out and said afterwards, uh, yeah, he struck me out. He had the right to do anything he wanted after that. So, um, just to touch on Kirby's final line here, seven innings, he took the loss. He went seven innings, gave up eight hits, three runs, all of them earned. Um, the one home run, which was a mistake, you know, and, and if he didn't give up the home run, it probably would have led to a better outcome and four K's. And then, 
Ty Adcock came in um, to pitch one inning, and he had two Ks, looked pretty good. So kind of excited to see Ty Adcock. Um, kind of flourish, see what his role is um, as we go forward. Uh, offensively, there's, there's really not much to talk about. Um, Jared Kelnick had the only really source of offense, had the only RBI, uh, 17th double of the season. Um, it was very, very well hit. I think it came off the bat at 108, 107, 108. It was, it was a nice oppo shot into the gap. Yeah. I was trying to see. Uh, no, so he had, so this one came off at, I think a hundred miles per hour, but he did have a previous bat at bat before that, that went, I think 106 miles per hour. So, um, he was still, you know, putting the ball in the, put the bat in the ball pretty well in this game anyways. Yep. 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 Uh, Gino, Cal and Caballero all each had a hit. Uh, four hits is not going to win us a ball game folks. Uh, I think we've, we've kind of, uh, touched on that plenty of times this season um and they had 10 k's which is kind of on the lower end of the spectrum for the mariners at this point you know (laughs) they got a win against lance lynn and lance lynn struck him out 16 times so i mean uh 10 k's is isn't too bad by the mariners still a lot but (laughs) i mean better than normal (laughs) um over four with runners in scoring position five men left on base i mean that's the ball game for you that was it. Quick and simple. In, out, and on with life. Um, I wouldn't say the umpiring was too atrocious. Uh, I think game two was a, a little bit worse. But in their defense, and I don't really want to defend the umpires, but uh, four hits was not wear- winning the Mariners the game anyways. So um, as we'll see uh, in the next game, Wednesday's game, uh, one, two, three... Nether four hits again was not going to win the Mariners a ball game. So yeah. And uh, I mean, again, jumping into the Wednesday game, I kind of thought they were facing Johnny Brito, Johnny Brito had just been called up back up from triple a in which uh, he did not pitch very well. in his last two starts in triple a, like he gave up six earned runs in both of his last starts at triple a. So I kind of thought that um, things were lining up for the, uh, for the Mariners to, I don't know, at least have, you know, some sort of semblance of, uh, I don't want to say more than I'll say at least more than two runs. Right. Like I really thought that we were going to be able to kind of put together a, a good string of things against, um, him, but, uh, yeah, things just, things just, again, just didn't come together for the offense on the, on the Wednesday game. Yeah. Offensively, it was a weird night. I mean, the Mariners scored two runs. One of them, Kelnick, uh, got a sack fly. The other was a Dylan Moore home run. Glad to see Dylan Moore get his first home run of the season. I think that brought his uh, his batting average up to a, a nice .100. Um, I don't remember actually looking at his batting average, but it uh, wouldn't be surprising if it was his first hit of the season. Um, Caballero led off the game, went one for four, had a K. Uh, Ty France went one for four, had a K. And those were the Mariners' hits. I mean, how many times have we said this season so far? I mean, I can, I can, I probably can use more than two hands, ten fingers at this point. How many times have we said Mariners' hitting is making making um, decent pitching look great? 
Yeah, we say it often. We say it often. And um, I think the the thing in this game is like Johnny Brito, like he only had sing, he only had six swings and misses, like whiffs in this game, right? Mm-hmm. And you know that's less than the Mariners usually give up to a starting pitcher. And we just still weren't able to do a whole lot, right? A lot of ground outs in this game. A lot of uh, just hits that didn't end up going anywhere, right? And um, yeah, I, it just seems, uh, you know, Jerry talks about all the time about the consistency of the offense, and that's absolutely the the biggest problem I think facing the team right now is just like we're having a hard time putting the ball in play. We're having a hard time, and some nights we're having a hard time putting the ball in play. Some nights we're just having a hard time even just swinging and we're just having a hard time putting contact on the ball, swinging and missing. It's just... Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's just frustrating, but it just it continues uh, continues the, I don't know the the disappointment I think has been the Mariner offense this season, and um, I don't know when it's coming out. I don't know if it's going to come out at this point. I think this might just be what we get in twenty twenty three. Um, so we'll see. You're not hitting the panic button, are you, Bill? Is that is that what I'm hearing? I'm not hitting the panic button. I just was. I I think back to. I was doing a little digging and I went back to like, you know, last year, right. The Mariners on June 21st, 2022, right. A year ago today, that was kind of when I want to say the Mariners started to like figure it out. Right. They went on the winning streak starting, you know, in the beginning of July, but like, um, I really think they saw they hit their stride starting in that June 21st game last year. And I'm like, I'm looking at like the, the averages and the on-base percentages of that time. And, um, you know, JP Crawford was better at this point in terms of like his slash stats. Ty France was better at his slash stats. Julio was better at his slash stats. Like there was a lot of signs that the offense was, I think, figuring it out last year, right? At this point, even though they were 30 and 39. And um yeah, it's just it's very difficult to to see that from this offensive from this offense right now. So certainly not hitting the panic button. You know, the team's yeah, they're trending pretty well tonight. As we're kind of talking here, they're up six to nothing. So um, I just, uh, yeah, it's difficult for me to see uh, um, a lot of upside in the offense right now. I guess that's what I'm saying. Other than like a rebound from Julio, which I think we probably anticipate. Um, and, you know, um, Teoscar's picked it up. So I think there's some potential going on there, but I think real upside is difficult to kind of see from the offense right now. And I don't know how you're feeling, but, um, certainly not giving up hope. I'm always gonna be positive about our baseball team, but, um, it just, uh, yeah, I just think the consistency has been frustrating and, um, yeah, I'm just not seeing a lot of, a lot of upside right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, certainly not a lot of upside and we were in this hole last year and then everyone started to trend upwards. Um, I'm, I'm getting a worse feeling from fans, you know, this time this year than we did last time last year. Um, you know, there's always going to be, I don't know if we're going to call them fair weather fans. Um, you know, when they're doing good, there's nothing wrong, but when they're doing something, when the Mariners doing bad, then it's always file fire, Scott fire, Jerry. I mean, fire the hitting coach. And I don't know. I've never right. felt like I've been that way, but I mean, something's got to change, you know, uh, Jared DeHart and Tony Arnridge, like, I mean, you're, you're supposed to help get these players out of, uh, out of slumps, you know, show them what they're doing, what pitches they should be looking at. And I don't feel like there's a lot of that consistently happening, 
You know, the Mariners now are winning seven to nothing since you said six to nothing. They scored again, you know, season high for Domingo Armand at this point, which great. Is that going to start, you know, is that going to continue in Baltimore when the Mariners go to Baltimore and play a red hot Baltimore team, you know, that are putting, are making a case to probably make the playoffs this season? I don't know. So I don't know. I, I'm kind of, I guess I'm just, I'm in the middle on it. I, I want something to change and I just, I don't know how to go about it. You know, I feel like I could say that with a lot of my problems in life, but you know, yeah. it's just like, I, I don't know where to start. You know, I, I have hope that they're going to turn it around. Yep. Yep. No, I think, and uh, I think it's good too, right? Like if you're, you want your, if you're a fan of something, you should be positive, but have a critical eye with things. And, you know, I think we're, we're critical about the offense. We're probably critical about, um, you know, at certain points of soft season of different things that maybe we should have done. Um, but we can be critical where we want to, but, um, I think overall it, it's, it's okay to be positive. It's good to be positive. I just think that we should also just, we'll probably want more from our baseball team at certain points, but, um, there's very little at the end of the day that we, as the fans can do to control that. Right. Um, even though we, we'd love to comment and, you know, throw out things where we can, like there's very little that we can do at the end of the day. So, I think at the end of the day, we got to be positive and just kind of hope that, you know, this is ultimately going to write itself eventually at some point. I mean, we certainly should not definitely become Yankees fans. Yankees fans are so, how does Brian Danielson put it? Fickle? Fickle? Fickle, fickle. Um, yeah, fickle. I mean, Astros fans are pretty fickle. Um, there's a whole, there's a whole batch, but anyways, uh, well, I know, I know later I you want to talk about Blue Jays fans, but we're going to come around to that. We're going to come around to that. Sounds good. <laughs> uh, let's wrap up Wednesday's game here. Uh, Luis Castillo, uh, not much to say about him. He went five innings, four hits, three runs, all three of them earned. Um, he walked more than he struck out though. You know, he's a guy that's in the top 10 of strikeouts and he only struck out three you know, walked four people. We're seeing more and more walks from Luis Castillo. And uh, he gave up two home runs, one to Billy McKinney and one to former Mariner Jake Bowers. So uh, you're not having Judge hit these off you or DJ LeMahieu or Rizzo or Giancarlo Stanton. You're getting taken out of the ballpark. And I think it was the Jake Bowers one was a, a moonshot. Maybe not a moonshot, but it went far. So, I mean, not, yeah, not I think, what we're seeing from Castillo. Yeah, I kind of feel like we kind of, I mean, besides Garrett Cole, obviously, but we got a little bit beat by, um, I don't know, I want to say some of the Yankees B squad. I know that I know that Jake Bauer's on a tear, but um, yeah, I mean, we, Judge wasn't in this series. Um, you know, we got Johnny Brito doing work against us and you know we are showing some life signs of life tonight some very positive signs so it's not all um the yankee b squad there and we are doing a decent job against them tonight but yeah i think for luis um i just i i don't know if it's just every single time i i you know my eyes are glued to the tv but it's just like i look up and he's in three ball counts all the time and i mm-hmm. just uh i just feel like he's um i honestly feel like he's probably pressing a little bit to try to do more than i think he needs to. And I think he's just um, overcorrecting from some things, right? The fastball is the fastball is Luis's pitch and it hasn't, I think been there for him as much this year. I think especially in the last starts where I think he's gone really fastball heavy. Mm -hmm. Um, And 
yeah, I don't know. I'm still I'm still pretty hopeful on Luis. I know that you may think that he may not be the all-star representative now, but good. but I think that he's still pretty solid. His ERAs, his other numbers are pretty good. They're pretty solid thus far. And I think that I think he's going to get better as the season goes along. So um, he's had a couple rough starts, a couple um, uncharacteristic um, command issues. But um, I think he's I think he's going to, I think, figure it out as the season goes along. Yeah, I think so, too. I think I think we're going to talk about, especially when I'm over there for the All-Star break, we're going to have a show talk about second-half expectations. And obviously, expectations for us are going to be high to, to bounce back. I think, you know, Castillo's not doing bad, but I think he's going to have a big second half. And, and again, I will talk about that later, but um, he's certainly one to watch out for in the second half. Um, I, I certainly think he's a better second-half pitcher in his career. Um, at least second half with the Mariners last season, he, he looked pretty dominant. So hopefully we can, can kind of continue on that trend. Um, to round out the pitching here, Matt Brash went an inning, didn't strike anyone out, didn't give up a hit, didn't give up a walk, just went one inning. Gabe Spire went one inning, uh, gave up one hit, which was a home run. So it led to one run, one earned run, one K. Um, and then Taylor Saucedo came in, pitched an inning. Um, Got one base on ball, but didn't give up any runs. So it was just uh, overall tough baseball to watch these last two games. Um, again, we keep talking about it because we're kind of watching the game as we shoot this podcast. The Mariners are now up 8 nothing. Um, I'm sure on Tuesday's episode, Bo, we will talk about the debacle that was the review that happened during this game. Uh you know, give you time to research what happened and why it was a near 10 minute delay. <laughs> um, and, uh, I, like I told you when we hopped into this call, Bo, sign of the apocalypse, Colton Wong just got his first home run as a Mariner and then walked his second at bat. He is one for one folks. One for one. And it's, it was a good Homer too, right? I'm, I'm following along with the savant oh. feed. So like, I'll have to watch, I'll have to go back and watch it later, but it was, it says it was a home run in 29 out of 30 ballparks. So uh, must've been a, must've been a nice one. Yep. What'd they say about Ty Francis home run? Was that a home run in every ballpark? Uh, let me see. Ty Francis was a home run in every single ballpark, a 980 expected batting average against that. So, so yep. Hey, like I said, we got it. We're seeing a little bit of turnaround in game three, but um, we need consistency, you know, and it's going to be, it's going to be tough going into Baltimore. You know, Um, it was a team that we, you know, I know Bo, you, you like watching the Orioles. You, you like watching Adley Rushman. Um, I didn't expect them to do this good this season so far. You know, they're, they're battling for the top spot in the AL East. I mean, realistically can they catch the Rays? i don't know but they're they're battling to to make it a make it a close race uh yeah i mean they're they're kind of a team that today took a little bit of the the bulk option when it came to prospects right and they just kind of said we're just gonna get a lot of these guys and um you know see what pans out and I think the funny part is it's like there's only a couple of their i think their top tier prospects that are really like holding it for them right now right like Gunnar Henderson Adley Rutschman um you know they're kind of getting contributions from guys like uh Ryan O'Hearn um somebody you may be familiar with Adam Frazier 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, they're, I mean, they're also having a little bit of breakout on some of the pitching side too, right? Like Tyler Wells and a couple other guys, but like Grayson Rodriguez is somebody that's not even, um, like really got his footing in the major leagues yet. So he's still somebody that's coming. So, um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't anticipating the Orioles to be this good either. Right. I think we, we saw them kind of make a run to wait for the Mariners last year. And, uh, it just kind of seems like that's a team that think everything's kind of just coming together coupled with some of the young guys that they have and they're pretty well positioned to go make like if they want to go for it right they're really well positioned to kind of go make a run for somebody at the trade deadline too so um probably gonna be a good team i think the rest of the year as well yeah yeah and uh uh you mentioned adam frazier like some of their signings it it just does not make sense you know like if the mariners would have made these signings like they would have been roasted over and over and over, you know, they, their biggest signing was Kyle Gibson, you know, yep. uh, Adam Frazier came in on a one-year deal. Uh, Aaron Hicks, I'm pretty sure they got off of the waiver wire after the Yankees released him and he's kind of turning it up, you know, Anthony Santander is having a good season. Um, I don't know, just a well-built ball team, right? Ball, yeah, ball team right now. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a tough one. Uh, the Mariners have uh, Gilbert, Miller, and Kirby going in that order in the series. Um, Gilbert is going to be seeing Kyle Gibson. Bryce Miller is going to see Dean Trimmer. And George Kirby is going to see Kyle Bradish. Um, two of the three, I know Gibson, we've seen him quite a bit. You know, former Texas Ranger, former Philly. Uh, Dean Trimmer. I know a little bit about him. You know anything about Kyle Bradish? Um, kind of off the top of your head. Um, I know he's been with the Orioles for a bit, but uh, would you say he's like his their five starter? Um, I would say Bradish is having a pretty good season. Like the the Orioles have just kind of called up these guys, and they've just kind of all been really good contributors. Like it's it's kind of funny, just like they've called these guys up. I would say Bradish is probably like their. Uh, I would probably put him as their three or four ish somewhere in there, probably more of a four starter, but he's having a really good season thus far. So it's difficult to, um, super call on that, but, uh, yeah, these guys are going to be, they're going to be, um, those are all really good pitchers and, uh, we'll see how the Mariners kind of offense reacts, but they're all having good seasons coupled with an offense that's having a really good season. So it's just going to be, uh, going to be a very tough series for the Mariners to get uh, two out of three from, but we, uh, we, we really need two out of three at this point. So I, I think we really need to see, I don't know if you have the stats up for, for Camden yards, but I think we're going to have to really see some of our left-handed batters kind of, uh, kind of get hot because, um, Oriole park Camden yards, they moved the fences back this year. Was it this year or last year? They did it recently. And they made like a mini, I wouldn't say it's as high, obviously, as Fenway, because Fenway is pretty high. But Fenway sits like 330, the green monster. Um, They made their mini version of it, but they pushed the fence back to 380 in left field. You know, so Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to probably see Ty slapping the ball there. But I I really want to see guys like Kelnick and uh, Cal when he's batting left-handed to kind of get some power off to that right side. Cause I think that's going to be the go-to hitting it over the right field fence, kind of near the, uh, the, uh, what do they call that? The 
power tool building. I can't remember what they call right field and Camden Yards. The the warehouse. <laughs> warehouse yeah that's right yeah, well something like that yeah i think the i think you're i think you're, you make a good point i think for the left-handed side right um camden yards is a pretty good condition for um you know hitters so i would look for oh, look for jk and jk's had some success recently so hopefully uh hopefully that can continues at, at camden there so definitely a guy to watch i don't really know on the pitching side if there's a matchup that i'm really eager to see um I was I was kind of happy we're not seeing Tyler Wells because Tyler Wells has been on a little bit of a of a run lately, but um, kind of do want to see probably. I would I guess I can go with Kyle Bradish for the most part. That's probably the one I'll probably tune in for. You know, if I'm picking one to to really look at here, but mm-hmm. um, and hopefully George Kirby can continue what he's done thus far. So, yeah. I I think you know you I'm gonna watch every Kirby game, but. I think Logan Gilbert needs to get the Mariners off to a hot start in Baltimore. Um, Kyle Gibson's definitely a matchup that um, I think favors Gilbert a little bit. I mean, obviously he's not pitching at home, but um, we need him to come out and throw some strikes and get some strikeouts and keep the Mariners in the ball game because uh, outside of tonight, you know, we're shooting on Thursday. Uh, there hasn't really been any signs of life from the offense, you know, um, We've scored almost triple the runs that we have in the last two games in one game tonight on Thursday. And I just really, really don't know. We're going to have to have some good pitching match or pitching performances to kind of keep this team in the ball game. Yep. That's the, it's the way it's been for the Mariners, right? Um, it seems like, well, like the consistency of the offense, just, uh, Hopefully we'll have consistent pitching and, you know, we're able to kind of keep the the Orioles from scoring a lot of runs on us. And, you know, that's the formula that I think the Mariners probably need for their, at least foreseeable future is, um, you know, trying to keep the, trying to keep the run count probably under three and mm-hmm. uh, just hope you're able to string together a couple of hits here and there to kind of make things work. So um, that's kind of where we're at right now. Yeah. Yeah. I've been seeing some interesting articles, Bill, um, you know, deadline the trade deadlines pretty fast approaching we're almost almost all the way through june july 31st is the deadline and it's getting really hard to gauge i think i haven't seen it this this wild from a whole mlb standpoint um it's it's hard to predict what's going to happen at the trade deadline because there's a lot of uh a lot of teams like the mariners they're unsure what they're going to do you know a lot of teams that are kind of very unsure you know you got the guardians who could could buy if they kind of turn it around, but could sell, you know, the twins are kind of sitting there. I, I would say the whole AL central is basically what's going to happen with the AL central. But, um, you know, in some of these articles I'm seeing, you know, if the Mariners do decide to sell that, um, Teoscar could be, uh, one of the names on the block. Um, do you agree with that? Like, I, I don't know how I feel about it, but, you know, if he kind of continues his upward trend of him turning it around, you think that Jerry pulls the trigger, Jerry and Justin pull the trigger and, you know, get some prospects out of him because he's a free agent at the end of the season. Um, yeah, if, if, the if that's really the way the Mariners decide to go, um, uh, certainly I think Teoscar would be, you know, one of the, one of the first people that they would want to try to move just given that he's, um, 
you know, free agent at the end of this year. Um, I, I honestly, I don't know how much you're going to get out of Tay Oscar for, you know, what it would be three months of Tay Oscar, um, three months and maybe like a, maybe a postseason. Um, I just don't know. <sighs> would they part with a prospect? I mean, probably, but I don't really know, you know, what kind of level that prospect is going to be at. Um, so that one's a little difficult for me. Like, I always wonder about like the return that you're going to get. Um, and I guess even for Kendall Graven, we did get, you know, Kendall Graven was a rental and we ended up getting, you know, Abraham Toro, who was supposed to be a decent kind of potential player for us and didn't really turn out that way. So I guess there's, if you're looking for a comparable, maybe that's it, but um, I could see it. I can absolutely see it. If things start to go South over the next couple of weeks, you know, the, the, uh, the thought of uh, trading being a seller now with the anticipation that you're going to be, you know, a buyer next summer. Right. I think that a lot of teams probably think that way. Um, and I could see the Mariners buying into that a little bit. Um, but, uh, I think if you're going to move to Oscar, you probably want to see if there's another piece or two that you can move with that. So, um, I would think that Paul Seawald very likely could be, um, also on the block if the Mariners were thinking that way, just given our, um, given our relief depth as well. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of different ways that the Mariners could go with it if we end up being sellers. Um, but uh, I don't know. How do you feel? Like, how would you feel? But I just don't know if there's an appetite for like a half measure move, right? Like, if we're just trading for like an Abraham Toro and we hope that whoever it comes out ends up being decent or what have you, like, is there really an appetite for that? I guess, like, I just don't really know. Like, we, we feel like our gaps are, you know, two big bats, maybe three big bats. And, um, you know, I just don't really know if there's an appetite to go get just a, a, a role player that we might hope turns into something else. But um, I mean, maybe there is always something like that. But like, how do you how would you feel about that? Or just getting something that I don't know, maybe a player that just ends up being like somebody that could turn into something, but doesn't really mean, you know what I mean? Like somebody that's just like a bench player that maybe has potential. Like, I, I guess, how are you feel about just doing that in general? Is there an appetite to kind of get a player like that? <sighs> You know, my appetite maybe. Uh, I don't. I don't think we're. I think we're going to see half the fan base kind of flip their lid if that's how they decide to go. If they kind of stand pat and uh, just do a trade like that, you know, I think they either want to see the Mariners really buy in or really sell. But again, like I said, this trade deadline is just really hard to predict you know there's not a lot of teams that are saying they're going to be complete sellers um you know and next summer might be might be the way to do it i wouldn't even say next free agency season's kind of the way to go because outside of showway and teoscar i mean there's not a lot of uh depth in the free agency market so i don't know that's a good question i i don't think i can answer that right now as as a Mariners fan, I will support them 100%, but I don't know. I, I, I just see a lot of backlash for uh, just a half-measure move, I guess. Yeah, but I, I mean, I do also see it of like Teoscar is likely not going to resign with you. Um, if you feel like it's if you feel like it's out of place at this point, um, you know, halfway through the season, a little over, right. For even to make the playoffs, like, 
Um, I do see trying to get some value out of Teoscar. I do. I do see that. I do see value. I do see you know, potential in that of like, hey, let's at least get a piece for him. Right. So like I do see it from that perspective as well. I just. Uh, yeah, it just feels like we need more. Right. It just feels like um, the time is now and we really need to kind of make the the push. And um, it would just be disappointing to kind of give it a half measure move of of getting something that's you know not going to, I think, be super impactful to us. So um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. And you're right, though. It's it's confusing trade deadline with just uh, the Cardinals are kind of out of it and the Cardinals are kind of shocking and surprising and the Reds might be buyers and uh, nobody yeah, like you said nobody nobody knows what the AL Central is going to do and uh, the Rangers are obviously there and uh, the Marlins might be a team that buys there's a lot of there's a lot of balls in the air right now so um, it's going to be a, it's going to be an interesting trade that line yeah yeah I'm just hoping the Mariners can turn it around I mean I if they play like they do tonight, Teoscar, you, you just mentioned Teoscar, he he got another home run just now. So Mariners are up nine nothing. They keep playing like that. They're gonna have a winning ball club, but you know, consistency is key, and there hasn't been a lot of consistency. So, um, you know, the last question before we go into kind of a quick draft preview that you wanted to put on here, um, you said you're still pretty firm on, uh. I almost said Johnny Cueto. Jeez. Uh, Luis Castillo. <laughs> I don't know why Cueto came to mind, uh, but Luis Castillo being the Mariners uh, pick for the All-Star game, which is kind of a bummer because we went into the season thinking we could have the 2001 Mariners and have six, seven representatives. But um, do you still think Luis Castillo is their one and only um pick for the all-star game is he even the pick anymore um so i think it's still luis barring um how many starts we think he's gonna get two more three more before the before the all-star break two more at least two more i think barring like a couple really bad outings from luis i still think he's the guy um you know his k rate even if he has a losing record even if he has a losing record. Yeah. Okay. Even if he has a losing record. Yeah. I, uh, I care less about the, I care less about the record because anybody that watches Mariners baseball would know that. Um, yeah. The record is more dependent upon the team rather than, you know, the pitching performance, I would say. So, um, so anyways, what I'm saying is like, I still think it's Luis. Um, mm-hmm. I think you could probably make a good case for George Kirby. Um, and you know Kirby, if he has a couple more good outings, could maybe force their hand there. But um, I still think it's Luis. Just the caper nine Ray. I think he he's got to get his walks a little bit under control. But he's still the he's still the guy that I would go with for for right now. I think Kirby's just had a couple pretty bad starts um, for the season. I think again looked better recently, but he has had a couple kind of ups and downs for the most part. But uh, that's the guy I would go with. Um, Jury's still out if uh, our boy Julio is going to make it, but um, I'll give you a chance to. How are you? Where would you go with between Kirby and Castillo for right now? Oh, I'd, I'd certainly just pick Kirby over Castillo. I don't think it's a good look if uh, a Mariners representative has a uh, losing record going into the All Star game. Again, I, I know you said wins and losses don't matter, and there's obviously time for Luis to turn that around because he's kind of been getting Felixed, you know? Same with Kirby. Um, Kirby, I think, has had more bad starts than 
um, Luis, so that could factor into it. Um, but really, I don't see... I see Julio being a part of the All-Star festivities. I see him probably being in the Home Run Derby. But I'd almost make the argument that I think he likely makes the All-Star game. Because maybe not of what he's doing right now, but because of his marketability. You know, he's he's yeah. the face of the Northwest. You know, Northwest baseball. You know, I... I think that's going to play a lot of, a lot of factors into it. I've seen some argument for it, and I I do agree with it. Like, they don't have Julio in there. Like, you know, why are we coming to Seattle then? So I don't know. I don't know. I I still think he's going to be part some way of the All Star festivities. Um, I know. I think they're gonna release who's part of the Home Run Derby soon. I know Mookie Betts has shown interest, so. It'll just be real interesting to see if Julio comes through and wants to do it again. Hopefully, he doesn't throw his back out if he does the home run derby like he did last season. Um, putting on that uh, wonderful second place finish too. I think it was. Correct me if I'm wrong. Juan Soto. That's it was correct. Juan. Yep. So, um, I don't know. Just be interesting to see. Um, but I know, I know you brought up something and it made me laugh before we got on the show. <laughs> Uh, do, do you want to go on a rant about uh, all-star voting in the Blue Jays fans, the, the country of Canada? Yeah, I'm just, uh, I mean, we're talking about Julio and based upon merit, based upon what Julio's done, Julio doesn't deserve to go to the all-star game. Mm-hmm. But um, the voting is not based upon, a lot of the voting is not even based upon merit in the first place, right? Like Alejandro Kirk right now has more all-star game votes than Cal Raleigh does, right? Cal Raleigh is Cal Raleigh, I think, is probably, I would say, third behind Jonah Heim and Adley Rushman, I'm thinking, right? Like over overall value. And Alejandro Kirk is beating him in in all-star game votes, right? Like you can just go up and down this list. Like Kevin Kiermeyer, who's having a decent season, like he looks he's like he's gonna make the all-star team. Uh Dalton Varsho, who's had a very far down season, is ninth on that list right now in votes. So like you know what? Let Julio in because I just don't even know if we're going to let the fans continue to vote on this and a whole country is voting for one team. Like, what does mm-hmm. it even matter? So like, um, just let Julio in, let Julio play, let him represent the Northwest because there's probably gonna be a couple other guys that aren't making this team that probably shouldn't be on there. So you know what? Let's let Julio be on there. I think that's kind of where I'm sitting at right now is like, you know what? seems like the voting doesn't really matter in a whole lot of other places. So um, why should, why should we not have Julio on the team? Right. So there you go. Said my piece. <laughs> it's funny because, you know, after fan voting, then uh, a lot of it comes down to coaches picks. And I almost see, honestly, Dusty Baker pulling a fast one on the Mariners, you know, especially getting a couple of their pitchers. You're like, Oh, let's, let's get some use out of them during the all-star game. And then, you know, I could see him calling the Mariners to get some of their, their players so they're not having, you know, a extended vacation during the All-Star break, um, regardless of what their merit is of making the All-Star team. But, um, yeah, I, I I don't think Vlad Jr., who's leading, I think, first base right now in All-Star voting, should not he should not be the first baseman. There's a couple other better picks. <laughs> but... Anyways, I digress. We'll get out of the all-star talk here. Um, 
normally this is the part of the show that we do prospect corner, but um, instead of picking a prospect today, you kind of wanted to do a uh, little quick draft preview. Um, I'm going to hand it to you, I guess. Uh, I'll ask you questions along the way, but, uh, you know, what uh, what are the Mariners looking for and how do they kind of prepare for the draft? They're picking 22nd this year, so. Uh, they're picking 22nd. Yeah. And I think today I just kind of wanted to go over where the Mariners are picking and maybe throw out a couple of names there. And I think as we kind of approach it and get a little closer, we'll get a little more granular with where we think the Mariners might go. But, um, yeah, they're in, you know, important to remember that they pick 22nd, that's their first pick. And then they pick 29th because of Julio winning the rookie of the year. And then they have a competitive balance pick, which is 30. So, you know, three of the first 30 picks are going to the Mariners this year. So I think that they're going to have a little bit of flexibility in how they want to and who they want to get in the draft. And, um, you know, kind of going off some mock drafts that have been out there, right. There's a couple guys like, uh, I believe it's Noah Chanel from Florida Atlantic, um, a left-handed hit from, <clears throat> from Florida Atlantic, a first base kind of outfield type. And um, I think that, I think that profile is maybe kind of where I'm thinking the Mariners should probably end up going in the draft. Um, you know, the Mariners have been pretty heavy in previous drafts last year. They obviously took Cole Young and um, Harry Ford, I think the year before that, but you know, the Mariners had, you know, previous, previous attempts at like doing really well with um, college pitchers. Um, so I'd be curious to see if the Mariners kind of shift and go back to maybe that college hitter type this year, which I do think is probably the way to go. I don't know, really know how you're feeling about it, but, um, if I was to think of a, a gap that the Mariners might have, it's probably in that, um, I would say older hitter type in the system right now. And, you know, mm-hmm. adding one of these guys could be a, could be a quick fix to kind of fill some of those holes. So, um, yeah, I think Nolan Chanel, like that's a good pick. 447 hitter, I believe, at um, 447 hitter with uh, you know 19 bombs in Florida Atlantic this year. So could be a really nice pick if it ends up being that way. Um, there's a lot of other talent in this class because it's a a lot of guys that went to college after COVID. Um, you know, they didn't really get drafted, so a pretty deep class on the college front this year. So. There's going to be a lot of older guys that I think that the Mariners might be able to move through their system a little bit quicker than usual. So that's also kind of on top of my mind as if, if the Mariners want to do pick one of these guys that might move a little quicker through the system just because, um, you know, we don't have a whole lot of, I think, upper tier talent, like hitting talent level right now. That Nolan Chanel or however you say his name, he looks real interesting. 447 slash lines, 447, 615, 868. But this is what blows me away. 71 walks this season to 14 strikeouts. Like, that's a heck of a stat line right there. Yeah, I mean, he was on base. He was on base over 600% of the time, right? Like, he had a 615 on base percentage. So, and, you know, it was in the, I think it's the Florida Atlantic. I think that's the Conference USA. So, you know, it's not an SEC conference. It's not a Pac-12. It's not a, you know, an ACC conference. But, um Regardless, right, um, you know, uh, George Kirby came from Elon, right? Like some of the guys just kind of flourish from smaller schools. So uh, I think it could be a good, could get, maybe it could be a could get, a, a good get, somebody that could maybe through through the system pretty well. So that's kind of the player that, um, and also left-handed, which I feel like the Mariners system could probably use a little bit more. So um, we'll throw him out there for right now, and I think we'll try to add maybe a couple more over the next couple of weeks. 
Yeah, you know, if I'm uh, if I'm picking the draft, I'm moving up in the draft. I'm trading all my draft picks for the number one pick. I'm going to get Dylan Cruz. That, that's how it works in the MLB draft, right? We can just yeah. trade our picks and, and go just, up. Just have the Pirates. Yep. Wait, just this, give us a guy. Yeah. This isn't this isn't NFL or NBA. Never mind. Never <laughs> mind. <laughs> uh, Dylan Cruz would be nice, man. That's a guy that you could probably just call up like right away. Like, but yeah. anyways, can, can, can we just can we get to six and get like a or five and get like a Kyle Teal? That'd be an interesting pick, but uh, I don't think we need bad. another catcher either in the system. So we got we got Lord Harrison Ford on the way, and we got Cal up in the up in the uh, major leagues. Although I've seen his name thrown around as potential trade bait, which I don't like. I don't like. Big Dumper will always be in my heart. So uh, trading the Big Dumper would be that'd be short sighted. That would be not the way to go. But anyways. Big Big Dumper finally got a Big Dumper card on MLB The Show. Ooh. It's got his nickname on there. I'm excited. Our friend of the show, Cody Esman, filled me in on that today. And super excited because, you know, I will talk up Big Dumper even if he's not on the team. So Awesome. Well, that's our show for the day. Um, Bo, you got anything else before we get out of here? Um, No, I think nothing else for me. Nope. Um, folks, the, uh, the all-star game's coming up and, uh, Bo and I, and even our friend Cody, uh, have some, uh, some fun plan for all-star week and, uh, we will be filling you in as we go. And, um, I think both Bo and I will have access to the, uh, Forks Down Facebook page and, uh, Instagram so we can post some stuff from the game. So, be on the lookout for that but uh you know we're still a couple weeks away so for all our listeners in the puget sound pacific northwest and beyond thank you for taking time to listen to another edition of the forks down podcast for bochism i'm rick clark and we'll see you guys next week